1: Welcome to the next episode of CadaverCast. I'm Albert
0: And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham. This week, we're talking about a really cool movie, a movie we have a lot of fun with, one that Alistair actually only saw for the first time pretty recently.
1: I saw it at my first time at my grandma's
0: house. Yep, and what's the movie called?
1: Tremors.
0: That's right, this week we are talking about the 1990 creature feature, Tremors. Now, Alistair, you were really excited when I suggested we watch Tremors this morning and record it for the podcast.
1: I think that's my favorite movie.
0: Oh, this is your favorite movie? What happened to Dracula?
1: Those are my both favorite.
0: Yeah, Dracula and Tremors?
1: I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about Tremors that gets you so excited? Why do you like this movie so much?
1: I like where the grabber, um, like pulls the drill away. The jackhammer? The the jackhammer was drilling through and then he caught the thing and then drilled it away with the guy.
0: Whoa. What else do you like?
1: I like when when he like gets out of the way of Stumpy and then Stumpy falls into the thing. Off of the cliff? So like he goes into the cliff, onto the rocks, then he dies. Sure. Then he goes into the cliff, then he dies, but there's no blood. Then he falls onto the watch, but he's still dead, but the blood comes out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as with uh, every episode of CadaverCast, there will obviously be spoilers about the movie.
1: Whoever watched this, don't tell anybody that haven't watched it. Just talk about parts they've just seen about And don't talk about the parts they haven't seen. That's spoiling.
0: Exactly. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on in this movie. It's a really well-written movie. The monsters look great, and they're practical effects. And boy, does the movie have a great cast. So the movie stars Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward as Val and Earl. Val and Earl are a couple of handymen, and they do odd jobs around this little Nevadan town called Perfection. The town of Perfection has a population of maybe like 12. And among the population are characters played by the likes of Michael Gross, Reba McIntyre, and Victor Wong. Victor Wong, you might have recognized Al from Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Who is he playing?
0: He played Walter. He owned the store, and he was eaten by the graboid inside the shop. Oh, yeah. But Tremors is a really good movie, and I think only recently have people started to actually give it the credit it's due And by recently, I mean in the last, like, year or so. Before that, I don't recall seeing many people talking about it at all. So, Al, why don't you get us started here by telling our listeners what happens in Tremors. What's the movie all about?
1: Tremors is all about giant worms eating people.
0: And what about the people that they eat? Who are those people? What are they doing?
1: They are in a shop. And doing construction.
0: How did they deal with the worms, the giant worms?
1: The one in the store didn't even do anything. just tried to get out.
0: So essentially what you're saying is the people are just trying to escape.
1: But the construction worker guy doesn't know.
0: Doesn't know what?
1: Doesn't know that the tremble worm is there because he can't see it.
0: Now, when you say construction worker guy, are you talking about the guys who are working on the road, or are you talking about Val and Earl, our main characters?
1: Talking about the guys on the road.
0: What about our main characters? What are they up to?
1: The main characters, they are first trying to, like, do their stuff. Then they're talking. Then later in the movie, they're fighting tremor worms.
0: And what are the tremor worms called?
1: Graboids.
0: Do you remember who gives them that name? No. Walter gives them that name.
1: Why did they call the one with the missing tongue Stumpy?
0: Well, because when you get a body part cut off, or anything cut off really, what's left over is called a stump.
1: Mm.
0: One of the really strong points about the plot is the fact that so much of what's established early on in the movie is called back to later, that it all pays off. We have them playing a certain game with their hands.
1: So they're playing rock, paper, scissors, and whoever wins it gets to do what they're saying.
0: Or has to do what they're talking about, because in some instances, they're playing rock, paper, scissors over things that neither of them want to do, like make breakfast. But we see them playing rock-paper-scissors all throughout the movie, right? That's a constant thing that's called back to. Whenever the characters have to make a decision, they turn to each other and they do rock-paper-scissors, right? Always called back to. It's a good through line. There are other things, too. We have the constant discussions of how bad the Graboids smell. And we also have the discussion about stampedes in the very beginning of the movie, echoed in the very end of the movie, which is really smart, tying it all together really nicely. Another really strong point for the screenplay of this film is that everything is plausible. The pseudoscience surrounding the Graboids is enough to make us suspend any disbelief we have. They give us plausible explanations of how the Graboids move, how the Graboids track us, how the Graboids hunt, why the Graboids don't go away, and also how the Graboids are able to outsmart people. Because it turns out, they're really smart.
1: What's outsmart?
0: Outsmart in this context means to win through use of intelligence on the graboids part. In addition to the plausibility of the graboids, we're also given a number of plausible reasons why the characters don't solve this problem as easily as we might think they should. That's something when we watch horror movies or monster movies that tends to come up a lot. We always have these questions about horror movies as to why the characters don't just do the obvious thing that needs to be done. In Tremors, the characters actually do try to do the obvious things in order to defeat the Graboids, in order to escape. Unfortunately, none of those work, but we're actually given reasons why these things can't work. And they try everything. They try to escape in trucks, they try to escape on horses, and everything fails.
1: So, they're trying to ride on the horses, and then they get out of where the graboid are. Then they go back, then the horse gets trapped by one of the graboid's tongues.
0: Yeah, and what does the graboid do to the horse?
1: He was eating his leg. Whoa. Like, so he was on it, and then he was staying on the horse, then he was chomping it, and then the horse was screaming and going everywhere. So let's talk
0: about those graboids. What did you think of the creatures?
1: They were very cool, and then they were fighting the people, but none people got killed. Nobody? Nobody at the end got
0: killed. You mean after Walter? Well, no, because the one guy on top of the trailer got killed too. So there was Walter, and then the guy on the trailer, whose name I don't remember.
1: Two guys get killed, but two is not very much.
0: Sure, but isn't it effective having those characters get killed? I mean, especially Walter. When Walter dies, basically anybody's fair game after that, he's one of the main characters.
1: Yeah, but only one main character gets killed. That's fine.
0: Anything else you want to say about the monsters Uh, themselves? mm, No. Well, you had a pretty important question about them during the movie that I figured we'd talk about during the podcast. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. How the ground is made?
0: And by made, you mean how were they created and operated in the movie, right? Yeah. Because, of course, you understand, right, that these monsters weren't real. So your question was about how the monsters were made by the filmmakers knowing that the monsters aren't real, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, the answer is they were, in fact, puppets and miniatures. Um, some of them were smaller puppets. Some of them were bigger puppets. The worms... The tongue worms, those were hand puppets. Pretty clearly, those were hand puppets. We had bigger puppets made to burst out of the ground, right? Bigger puppets, maybe animatronics. I don't know if they had any animatronics in them, but those were certainly puppets as well. And we also had miniatures. The most notable miniature in the movie is in the scene in Bert and Heather Gummer's basement, right? That one that burst through the wall. That was a miniature, because they couldn't slam a giant graboid puppet through a real wall. They used a miniature to go through that little wall. But the way that they filmed it makes it look like it's a full-size graboid.
1: Yeah. So they pretend that they put a wall, but it's really not a wall.
0: Well, it's a wall. It's just a miniature wall.
1: How do they create the wall?
0: Well, they build it in miniature. They build a really small wall. It would be the same way that you'd build a big wall, except you'd build it tiny. No,
1: no, no, like when they're sewing the wall in the movie.
0: You mean how do they make it look like a big wall? Yeah. Ah, that's a really good question. They do an incredible process shot where they pan from either the person to the graboid bursting through the wall or vice versa, in which they actually pan between a miniature and the full-size people. So, that in the same shot, we have the full size people and a miniature, which immediately conveys to us as the audience, conveys to our brains that these things are in the same room and that this is the relative height of the people to the graboid. Make sense? Yeah. Should we talk about Stumpy?
1: Yeah. Stumpy was a great graboid. Stumpy lived for a long time.
0: And who was Stumpy?
1: Um, Stumpy was the one with a missing thumb.
0: And how did Stumpy lose his tongue, or her tongue? I don't know. Do you remember when Val and Earl tried to get out of town in their truck, and they accidentally backed up into the side of a hill?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, that guy was under there, and then they cracked one of his tongues off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Before... Stumpy became Stumpy. Stumpy was the graboid that grabbed on to the axle of their truck, but they drove away and ripped its tongue off. So it became Stumpy. And the cool thing about Stumpy is that Stumpy is, as Alistair pointed out, the graboid that lives the longest.
1: Yeah. At the last minute, he was the last one to get killed.
0: And this is something that you see a lot in 80s creature features especially, where you'll have a bunch of monsters of one type but you'll have one that stands out from the other. Maybe it's missing an eye. Maybe it's missing a tongue, like Stumpy. Or, or in,
1: living the longest.
0: Or living the longest. But it always has a defining feature that makes it different from the other ones. Like gremlins. Do you remember the main gremlin?
1: <laughs> the leader gremlin is the main gremlin.
0: The main gremlin was named Stripe. Why? Do you, do you remember why Stripe was named Stripe?
1: Oh, He's called Stripe, because he doesn't have a stripe, it's like a mohawk.
0: That's right, he has a mohawk, and so he's named Stripe. Because before Stripe becomes a gremlin, right, Stripe and the other gremlins look like mogwai. Only that particular mogwai has a stripe of white on the top of its head that sticks up a little bit like a mohawk. But then when it becomes a gremlin, still has a mohawk. So this is similar to that. Instead of Stripe, we have Stumpy in Tremors.
1: So I guess like Stumpy's the leader.
0: In a way, yeah. I mean I don't think any of the tremors is particularly leading the others, but Stumpy does prove to be the most intelligent. Stumpy's the one that outsmarts them in the end. And do you remember what happens when they try to get Stumpy to eat the bomb?
1: So he likes eat it then spits it out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And blows up all of their other bombs. That's pretty smart.
1: But then when it blows up all the other bombs, he's dead. Why? No, he gets killed by he falls out of the cliff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I like about the Graboids being so smart, and I don't know if you really appreciate this yet, Alistair, but the Graboids being smart means that our main characters, that all of our characters, end up able to be smart too.
1: So like the Graboids teach the humans how to be smart. (laughs)
0: Not <laughs> in a way, yeah, because the smarter the graboids get, the harder the humans have to try to outsmart them. They have to keep coming up with new plans to try to outsmart them because these graboids, in spite of the fact that there are only four graboids at the beginning of the movie, these graboids are actually really smart. And every time they take out one graboid one way, the other ones figure that out fast. So, this means okay. that our main characters can actually be smart characters and we don't have to constantly be yelling at the screen, right? They always do what is ostensibly the smartest thing to do in that particular moment. Unless they make mistakes, of course.
1: The Graboids get smart, but later in the movies, they don't know the Graboids are there. But the Graboids are still underground.
0: You're talking about when they're on the rock.
1: The rock.
0: When everybody's on the rock in the end.
1: No. No, when they don't know they're there. When they're on the ground, they're not doing anything when it starts.
0: Oh, so you want to talk about the beginning of the movie before we actually see the Graboids. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing to talk about, actually, because that's something else I really like about the movie. We actually don't see a Graboid for quite a while in the movie. Do you want to take a guess as to how many minutes it is into the movie before we actually see a full graboid, not just a tongue?
1: Uh, in my grandma's one, we see a guy um, getting a from very far away, but that's a digger. In our one, it doesn't so that.
0: It may just be that we're actually closer to the TV in our living room than in grandma's living room. Yeah. It isn't until 30 three minutes into the movie before we see a full Graboid. 33 minutes. And this movie has a running time of one hour and 35 minutes. Yeah. So that's a long time without the Graboids in it, which helps build the suspense for when the Graboids do actually show up. And before we actually see the full Graboids, we get a lot of really spooky scenes.
1: You mean when we see the Graboids' parts?
0: Yeah, like okay. when we see the full graboid, not just the tongues.
1: Yeah. The tongues are so spooky.
0: Yeah, and we see the tongues a lot before we see the full graboid.
1: We just see the tongues and just beginning Aiden when we don't see the graboid. And then we see a full graboid trying to get the people. Then the graboid just goes right back on the ground.
0: That's when we see the first full graboid is when they're on the horses and they get kicked off of the horses and the graboid jumps up and then when they run away the graboid goes back underground to catch them which actually brings me to another thing that i like a lot in the movie which is the graboid cam where we see from the graboid's point of view underground in the dirt moving really really fast towards people that's pretty cool
1: No, we see it like more than one time
0: yeah i think we see it twice Throughout the movie? I remember oh. noticing twice this time, but I might have been looking away or writing down some notes and missed one.
1: I think you've seen two or whatever. Two, three, two, or three.
0: Now, once we do finally see the Graboids attack people, what time of day is it? Daytime. Daytime. Sunday. Yeah, the sun's out. And that's something you don't expect.
1: Sunday, I
0: guess? <laughs> Sunday.
1: <laughs> it has to be.
0: Yeah, but it's during the day. And that's important to note because in a lot of monster movies, the monsters don't attack except at night time because that's theoretically when it's spookiest. But in Tremors, they don't attack until it's day. Though we do see them attack people at nighttime. The main attacks in the movie are all during the day.
1: Part of the night is when they're like looking at stuff, and then they see the thing that's not there. The things on the ground, they're to appear and the channel eats the guy. Yeah, or the most, doctor. The doctor. Yeah, eats. the
0: doctor and his wife. Yeah. Which is at nighttime. But yeah, so that's the doctor and his wife, and they are attacked at nighttime. And that's the only attack that we see at night. All of the other attacks are during the day. Which makes a lot of sense because people aren't moving around too much at night, and the graboids track people using sound.
1: But at the night. Other people are awake, but we don't see them moving.
0: Sure, like when they're on the rock, for example.
1: Yeah. There's not many people moving. Mm-hmm. They're just throwing bombs. They're just throwing bombs. There was two grabberies, and then then they throw the f- first bomb at the first one. Stumpy's left, but Stumpy gets killed into a long time, because he's the smartest. Stumpy's the smartest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's cool about the Graboids attacking during the day is that even though usually monsters in movies attack at night because then it's harder to see them, the Graboids attack during the day and we still can't see them. And why can't we see them? They're underground. The it can still be spooky during the daytime scenes because we don't know where the Graboids are.
1: They're underground the and then the people appear and then the Graboids just came out of nowhere.
0: Well, how do our main characters avoid being eaten by the Graboids?
1: When they're stuck on the rock, they're stuck on the rock because the tremors are going to like go under. But one time, the tremor just comes to the rock.
0: How do they get off of the rock and get to the truck, though?
1: So the lady goes to get the paw and then the other guy gets two paws for the other guy. Then they swing one to one, but the, then they keep swing and swing and swing and swing. Boom. Boom, 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 boom. Like walk to walk until they get to the last
0: rock. And it's not exactly swinging. What they're doing is called pole vaulting.
1: What's pole vaulting?
0: It's where you have a pole and you vault over something. In this case, they're using the pole to vault over the gap between rocks.
1: So they take the poles, they. Put the poise in the middle, and then they swing over to the next walk. Then they put the pole down. Then they swing over to the next walk. Then they put the pole down. Then they swing over to the next walk. Then they put the pole down. Then they swing to the next walk. Yes.
0: Yes. Exactly. So my question for you, Alistair, having seen the movie twice now yourself, is who would you recommend this movie to? Would you recommend this movie to kids?
1: All kids did like monster movies.
0: Well, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Any kid who likes monster movies is bound to like Tremors.
1: Yeah, they're bound to like Tremors because it's the best movie in the world.
0: It's the best movie in the world? (laughs) Well, that's pretty high praise. Yeah. There are a couple things in the movie that I should point out for any parents listening. There is some swearing in the movie. It's rated PG-13, which limits the swearing to one F-word. There is also some language of an adult nature that isn't too bad or even that noticeable. And there is some gore. Most of the gore in the movie is graboid gore, though we see a lot of graboid guts flying around. But we do have some stray brain matter at one point.
1: What's brain matter?
0: Like pieces of somebody's brain. Another thing I want to point out to anybody listening is that if you decide to buy this movie on home video, do not buy the DVD circa 1998. The DVD is non-anamorphic, which is a huge pain in the butt if you're trying to watch this on a widescreen TV. That means you're going to have to zoom in on the image rather than the image filling the screen itself. And the resulting image is going to look terrible. That's how we had to watch it today. And it's super pixelated, super gross looking. I don't recommend it. Just kick in the extra few bucks for the Blu-ray. It
1: looks not good, but it's so good movie. My grandma and me watched the same one as we did. You sure did? Um, Grandma has the same movie.
0: Where do you think I got my love of monster movies from? Grandma. Yeah? I grew up watching all these movies with grandma.
1: Monster movies?
0: Lots of monster movies. Okay. Absolutely.
1: And then one day can we have Monster Movie Day where we where we watch just monster movies.
0: Sounds awesome, man. Yeah. All right, now I think it's time to talk about the movie's...
1: Beastly Best.
0: That's right. It's time for the Beastly Best. Alistair, do you want to go first? What do you think is the best monster moment in the movie?
1: The best is where Stumpy is, like, working the store, and he's, like, putting it down, flopping, flopping, flopping it around.
0: That's a good moment.
1: flopping it around.
0: Yeah, that's a really cool scene because Stumpy and the other Graboids at that part actually figure out how to break a building down. And so they start breaking the store apart and the whole roof is caving in and the characters no. don't have much time to act.
1: It's, it's just Stumpy. He's just moving it around to get the people off.
0: Actually, I think you're right because Stumpy's under the store and the other one is underneath Nancy's house trying to pull her house down.
1: So they're both trying to put a sword down and the woman's house down. But some people trying to shake it to get it down. And then the other is trying to shake it to get it down. They're both trying to do the same thing, right?
0: Yep. My choice for Tremor's Beastly Best is probably going to have to be breaking through the wall of the Gummer's Rec Room. I mean, that may be a totally cliche answer, but that is, to my mind, the coolest moment when it bursts through the wall and they have to shoot it to death. That is the coolest so, scene. So
1: they shoot it, but they they have a bunch of guns, and then the lady runs out, then she grabs another gun, then she shoots. I think that's Stumpy. No. No,
0: no, that's not Stumpy because they killed that one.
1: I think it's one of the black girls. Stumpy's friends.
0: Yeah, that's a cool scene just because of how many guns they have and how long it takes them to kill one of them. And it really shows how strong the Graboids are. I
1: think Stumpy's the leader because he stays up for a very long time.
0: He's the smartest, for sure.
1: I think he's the leader because he stays longer than the other ones. The other ones get killed before Stumpy. Stumpy's the smartest and he's the leader.
0: Well, if nothing else, Stumpy becomes the leader at the end by proxy of the fact that there are no other Graboids in existence at that moment. Or at least in Perfection Valley that we know of. I
1: think they killed the first one, then there's no more, but they don't kill Stumpy until a long time because they don't see him until a long time. Right, then?
0: Absolutely. So I think that covers Beastly Best, don't you?
1: I got one more. It's when there's a regular Graboid and then... The guy was back and they were stuck, but then it cuts one of the tongues off. That's how that grabber becomes Stumpy.
0: So, the creation of Stumpy to you is another one of the beastly best.
1: So, he knows that he got one and he's mad so he gets smarter.
0: Oh, so you think it's a revenge thing?
1: Now it's time to get spooked! <laughs> I got, I got to Alright, Alistair's, Alistair's gonna
0: start. Alistair's gonna tell us what he thinks the spookiest moment in the movie is.
1: I think the spookiest moment is when the guy gets Aiden and then they like take the half by the seat and then it gets me scared too when they get scared.
0: Yeah, that...
1: that's the spookiest.
0: This man is tending to his sheep, and he gets pulled underground by a graboid. And when Val and Earl find him the next day, I think, all they see is a hat on the ground. And they're like, what's going on here? So they pick up the hat, and what do they see under the hat?
1: His head.
0: Just his head. That is a spooky moment. I agree.
1: But then the seeps can't move. I think the same graboid just eats the sheep.
0: Yeah, the sheep are pretty messed up.
1: Yeah, because there's no room for them to go. And then the guy gets eaten, and then the, all the seeps get eaten because the seeps have nowhere to go.
0: As a kid, the spookiest moment to me was when the doctor and his wife get killed by the Graboids. Yeah. Because it's nighttime, and we don't know what it is, and the guy gets sucked under, and he's screaming as the Graboids pulling him underground. And then what happens to her?
1: She goes into the car, and then the graboid comes out, Then she's locked in there forever. The scrubber's tongues are, like, on the car. And what do they do? Oh, so, like, it gets put on the ground because the tongues put it on the ground. And then the next morning, they dig and then they find the car on the ground.
0: Exactly. So that's the moment that, as a kid, spooked me the most. As an adult, though, I find Walter's death to be the most unsettling thing in the movie. I don't know if it's necessarily spooky, but Walter is such an important character in the movie, and he's played by Victor Wong, who I love, and his death really does get to me. That is really unsettling. The way he's basically swallowed whole by this graboid and his leg is sticking out of its mouth as it's like pulling him in, that's pretty unsettling. I don't know if I would describe it as spooky, but it does raise the stakes for the rest of the movie.
1: Walter's death, to me, is gay.
0: Yeah, so I'm right in saying that spooky?
1: Yeah. So it comes out of the door, then it tries to get Waters, then it gets Waters' legs, then they try to pull him, but the gruboid keeps him and then swallows him.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty horrifying. Anything else you want to say about Tremors before we wrap this up? No. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week's CadaverCast. If you have any questions for us, you can hit us up on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. Or you can email us at cadavercast at gmail And that's cadavercast one word there, no underscore. And with that, I think it's time to sign out.
1: You've been listening to CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham.
0: And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham.
1: We want to thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. swing, swing, boom, 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 boom,
0: Hey Al, I've got a question for you.
1: Yes.
0: Do you like podcasting?
1: Yes.
0: Do you want to go to college someday?
1: Yes.
0: Well, guess what, listeners? You can help us with both those things. If you like what you hear on CadaverCast and want to hear more in the future, help us keep the lights on, so to speak, by heading on over to our network's GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash wordsaladpro. Any donations you make there go towards supporting the amazing content at Word Salad Productions. But that's not all. We here at CadaverCast aren't doing this podcast to get rich. I mean, if I wanted to get rich, I wouldn't have gone into education, right? No, this is about nurturing my relationship with my son Alistair and helping him grow up to be as critical and well-spoken as humanly possible. That said, I'm pledging here that any money the podcast brings in over basic upkeep will go straight into Alistair's college fund. So, if you want to help us keep the content coming and support this little guy, who I hope you find as sweet and entertaining as I do, head on over to GoFundMe.com WordSaladPro and donate today.
1: It's for our bonus.